So, uh, before we get into uh, the word today uh, on Selah, or Salah, and the beauty of silence, I, I wanted to just honor uh, the Collins family. You guys just raise your hand. We got Clayton and Holly. And their, uh, their little boy, Zephaniah. Tell me that's not an awesome name for a kid. Zeph, Zephaniah. Uh, they came into town to, to visit Jose, Dana, and myself, and Michelle, and the kiddos. I just want uh, to just, I think this is really going to just encourage you. I know it's going to encourage me to, to preach the word. I just want now Clayton to come on down and just share what, uh, what the Lord is doing uh, in his ministry. Uh, and give some examples of just how the Lord is a miracle-working God. Amen? Now, you guys are from Philly. Don't make fun of him. He does have a southern accent, even though Ohio is north of the Mason-Dixon line. Okay? He's, he's got a little bit of a twang right there, you know. There you go, brother. There you go, brother Clayton. <laughs> oh, man. It's awesome to be here today uh, to worship with other people that love Jesus. So I'm excited to be here. My family's blessed to be here. And uh, I just wanted to share with you a little bit of just what our heart is. Jesus loves us. Come on. And we really love him back. Come on. <laughs> and so we want other people uh, just to know him, to experience his presence. And how many of you know, as you read through the Gospels, the life of Jesus, uh, as, as Peter said in the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he went about doing good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Healing and freedom Whew. was a big part of Jesus' ministry. And I believe it's a big part of his ministry today. I believe it's very simple. I believe if we just receive some simple truths from his word, and we have simple childlike faith, we'll begin to see these things in our life. And I just, um, for years, probably about... Ten years now, we've had uh, healing rooms at a local church in uh, our hometown, and we've seen God do incredible miracles. Just like we read about in the Bible, we've seen Him open the eyes of the blind, literally open the ears of the deaf, remove cancer from people's bodies, supernatural things. And these things happen through everyday believers like me and you that love Jesus. You know, I think sometimes we allow fear. Yeah, to, yeah. Hold us back. You know, what if I pray for somebody and it doesn't seem like anything spectacular happens? Well, that's not up to you. That's up to God. Oh, Your job is to step out and love on people. And the Bible says love never fails. Come on. So if you pray for somebody and you don't see anything super spectacular happen, if you love on them, if you care about them and you show the compassion of Jesus for the hurting, it's a win. You didn't fail. It was love. Uh, Pastor, I'm going to share one. Yeah, thing. please. That's, funny. that's cool. This was just one of my favorites. There, there's all kinds I could share, but this happened a few years ago, and it demonstrates the simplicity and how easy this is that a child literally could do it. Um, one of my best friends, who's now a full-time missionary over in Mozambique, Africa, but he kind of helped us start this ministry and get it off the ground. At that time, he had severely injured his knee. It was, it was going to require surgery. That's never a good thing. But he was getting ready to go into a police academy uh, to apply for it within just a few weeks. Some very rigorous physical training. That's not going to be a good thing. He's, he's about to have surgery on his knee. But even in the midst of that, he wanted to come and minister healing to others and pray for others in one of our Friday night healing rooms. Amen? You can do that. Come on. How many of you know you can be discouraged? You can have the cares of life weighing down on you? And yet you can forget about what you're going through and step out and encourage somebody else. And you just might receive encouragement in the midst of that. The same is true with healing. If you got something going on in your body and your life, minister to others. God just, which you're going to hear in this story. There was a grandmother that brought her two granddaughters um, in that night to be ministered to. Neither one of their parents were believers. They were from a different state. But their grandmother brought them. One girl was 11 years old. One girl was 13 years old. The 13-year-old was born completely deaf in one ear and partially deaf in the other. She had some severe hearing loss. She could hear a little bit out of one of her ears. She learned to read lips really well. And they came in, and uh, I just shared a simple gospel message to these little girls and their grandmother. They're laughing. And they said, yes, we want to invite Jesus into our heart. So I prayed with them. And then I told the little sister that was 11, I'm like, now... 
Jesus lives in you, I'm going to have you lay hands on your sister's deaf ears, and I'm going to teach you a little prayer. Just pray in Jesus' name, and we're going to believe God to touch her. So I'm thankful for this memory. We actually have it, you know, on film, and I'm thankful for that. It's on YouTube. Uh, I'm so thankful just to have that memory recorded. But she, they're, they're kind of giggling and laughing, and I just coach her through a little prayer, you know, this deafness leave in Jesus' name. And they're kind of laughing, and she's praying a simple 10-second prayer. And then I leaned over and whispered the name of Jesus into her totally deaf ear. The girl burst into tears. Woo! Controllably crying because her ears popped open. Because that would be a good time to say Amen. Amen. Woo! You know, she, she cried for a long time. And once she was able to regain composure, I stood behind her and was whispering. And she just couldn't believe it. Like she's whispering every word. She was totally healed. Okay? Both ears. Both ears totally popped open. The one completely deaf and the one partially deaf. She's hearing completely, like totally normal. So then my friend that's there to minister with us, he's like, hey, and the two little girls are like, lay hands on my knee, pray for it. Instantly, all the pain left, and he's running up and down the stairs. It was confirmed by the doctors. He didn't need surgery. He went through the police probably five or six years, and about every summer, the girls come up and stay with their grandparents, and they still come into the church. She's still hearing, still doing well. Uh, and that was just little kids, you know, born again for maybe, I don't know, five minutes or less, seeing the deaf ears open, seeing totally destroyed knees just being healed in Jesus' name. It's really that simple. If we step out and I could go on and on, Woo! love on people and share the message of Jesus, um, God will do amazing things. He loves people. All right. <laughs> yeah, man. Woo! Yeah, if that doesn't stir you up, I don't know what will. Maybe a visitation of Jesus right here. Man, it is so good to just hear what the Lord is doing all throughout the world. And in our country, and in our region, Ohio is not too far from Philadelphia, and geographically speaking, in the context of things. So, the Lord is doing something. Come on. So good. Whew. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to preach now. Yeah, I will. <laughs> All right, today's message. Selah. Or in Hebrew, it's pronounced Salah. The beauty of holy silence. Mm. Lord, we just come before you and we just declare your goodness. You're a miracle-working God. You're a God that brings forth life and resurrection power and revival fire. And Lord, it's our desire to be a part of your kingdom and what you're doing on planet Earth. Amen? Yes, Jesus. So we're going to open up our word to 1 Kings chapter 19. <clears throat> Everyone probably knows this, this scripture. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. Then he said, this is God speaking, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Actually, I think, I believe it's an angel, if I remember correctly. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? You guys know the story? The Lord speaks to Elijah the prophet, not in an earthquake, not in the wind, not in fire, but in a still, small voice. I want to do something. To the best of our ability, I want to take a moment, and I want us to be silent. And while we're silent, I want you to document inside of your mind everything that you Physically here. Every little, every little nook and cranny, okay? Count of three. One, two, three.
almost on cue, as soon as I said three, my daughter was involved in this. What did you guys hear? I heard, well, let's get real specific. I heard Hannah cry. Avi cry. Heard kids downstairs. I think I heard a, a, some kind of kid commotion over there. What else did you hear? The bass of a car outside. A, bay, a car outside? Those who are real in tune to it? Creaking. Some creaking? Something dropped? I think Sam's foot like tapped. That's okay. It was part of the exercise. And then I also, and I can still kind of hear it in between. You almost hear like this, and it's not the air conditioning. I think it's like the, the computer just, like that white noise kind of hum, right? It's, it's all around. It's really bizarre. Uh, and I came across this bizarre thing because you know me, I, I get involved in bizarre stuff, like meaning like readings and stuff. Came across this guy, Gordon Hampton. Uh, actually, Hampton. I'm looking up Mike Hampton. Hampton. Gordon Hampton, who is an audio ecologist. It's like, that's a job? It's crazy. He goes around recording planet Earth, and he claims that silence is an endangered species. It's crazy. Wow. Can we all watch the video, please? Yeah, you gotta turn. The irony is you gotta turn, you gotta turn it on. This is a cathedral. My cathedral. In this forest is the quietest place in the entire United States. And it's only one square inch in size. My mission is to keep it that way. I'm Gordon Hampton. I'm a sound tracker. I travel the globe in search of vanishing sounds, including the most endangered of all, which is simply silence. Noise pollution is nearly inescapable. The whole valley is the quietest, least noise polluted place in the entire globe of I don't know if I can save silence, but I know that I can try. So it was 12 years ago, 2005, Earth Day, that I hiked up the whole River Valley. It took three miles just to escape the noise of the parking lot. That's when I was looking in every direction for which way I should go. I saw a young trail. Love to follow their advice because they love quiet just like I do. And they led me right to the spot. I defend this one square inch of silence by doing both quiet and noise monitoring. <clears throat> when a noise intrusion occurs, I locate the noise maker, send them a letter, and ask for compliance. This matter is urgent. Within 10 years, it's likely that there will be no quiet places left unless we take action. When I first started, I did not think silence would go extinct. You actually can uh, shut this off. I, I clipped the audio, but it just kept going, so thank you. And you can uh, flip back to the, my computer, it would be wonderful. So this is what we have going on here. This, this man goes around and, and, and records sound. And he's saying that actually silence is almost extinct. It gives 10 years, it's going to be gone. Now, what he means by silence is non-man-made noise. Right? So, he claims in this documentary and what have you, that there are 12 locations in the lower 48, so excluding uh, Alaska and Hawaii, where for 15 minutes or more during daylight hours, there's no man-made noise. He has that microphone off, and you may not be picking it up, but the microphone can, can get in some, some of the, the frequencies. And you'll hear a plane going right over, like way up there that you may not really be listening to, like animals and wind and things like that. That's different, but a man-made sound. And so 
what I was just meditating on this with Elijah in the still small voice is, is the concept here of that it seems to be that man's sound, man's noise, has infiltrated every place and everything. And there are deep spiritual implications that may occur if we're always hearing man's sound. Um, he claims that silence is not the absence of sound. That's like almost impossible unless you're like living in a vacuum in outer space somewhere. But it's an absence of noise. And there's a difference between sound and there's a difference between noise. And he goes on to say that actually silence is presence. Now, this guy is not a believer. I was listening to him. He said he grew up in an Episcopalian church, but he didn't really like the teachings and things like that, but he really enjoyed the worship. And he really liked the music and the sound and the beauty. So there's sound, there's silence, there's noise, there's presence, being present. And so the Lord was just having me in a very, very busy week. A very, very busy week. Come to me and says, David, and I ask the same question to you. If I, the Lord thy God, today spoke to you in a still, small voice, would you be able to hear me? Wow. In your life, in your day-to-day, do you have silence, presence? Because he didn't speak in the earthquake. And he didn't speak in the fire, and he didn't speak in the wind. He spoke in the silence. But if you have no silence in your life, how are you going to hear him? Wow. Get what I'm saying? It's good. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Noise, noise, noise. Uh, one of my favorite poets, William Wordsworth, the great English poet, in the year 1807, wrote a poem, The World is Too Much With Us. 1807, that's over 200 years ago. You know, we're like, we don't even figured out the train yet. He's like, the world is so much with us, I can't get alone. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, yeah, it's like 100 years shy of a radio. He's like, there's too much. There's too much bustle. There's too much sound. There's too much doings. There's too much happenings. It's the year 1807 in the countryside of England. So he pens this beautiful poem. I was going to read the whole thing because I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be a long message and I'm trying to condense it a little bit, but just a quote. The world is too much with us late and soon, getting and spending. We lay waste our powers. Little we see in nature that is ours. Okay, 1807, the world is too much with us. I can never quite be alone. There's always the presence of another human interaction and noise and sound. It's like, holy cow. What about the 21st century? With all the beeps, the whistles, the notifications. And even if you remove... See, you can come up. Even if you remove the, the, the beeps on your phone, you know what I'm getting at, right? Even if you remove all that, that's not necessarily silence because I don't know if you're like me, but I could be in silence and what do I have in my mind? Everything. It's just that, yeah, it's just the tape, right? Like the worst thing is like for me, like going to bed, like before I fall asleep, I need to like process everything that's happening the next day. Is anyone else like that? So before I go to bed, I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, this, 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 boom, okay, okay, blah, 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 blah. And I fall asleep. My wife can't stand it because like, that takes like two minutes for me to do that. And then I am like, ow, like babies crying. I don't hear that noise. <laughs> Dave, can you get up? It's horrible. One, one morning, one morning, I'm just really bad to tell this story. One, one morning after this, I, I, you have to believe me. I had no recollection that this even happened. I believe you, <laughs> Michelle comes up to me. She's like, how come you didn't wake up? I'm like, oh, I didn't hear, I didn't hear Hannah. I never heard the baby crying. No, like, I woke you up and you told me that you can't hold the baby because your arm was tingly or something like that. <laughs> I'm talking about, like, the sinful nature of man. Like, I didn't even know that was happening, but my brain was processing that and saying, oh, no, I can't hold the baby. My arm hurts. It's like three in the morning. I woke up the next day. I'm like, I didn't do that. She's like, yeah, you did. I was like, oh, my gosh. But look, what I'm trying to say here is even without the, the notifications of your phone and, and, and people talking, 
If you're anything like me, even in the silence, my mind is going. It's noise. It's a noise. It's, it's a, there's a sound to your, your thoughts. Like you're there, you can almost hear yourself speaking. And so if we're constantly doing, and if we're constantly involved in a busyness of things, it's not a good thing. You know, I've taught on this before, you know, we as mankind, we are known as human beings. And I believe in some kind of weird spiritual evolution or de-evolution. Many people in the world and in the church have become human doers. We've no longer retained the essence of what it means to be, to exist, to have the very breath of God living inside of you. You're a being, not a doing. And so, part of the lesson with all of this is just because you can do things, and just because you can hear things, and just because you can rattle things off in your mind, and just because you can be busy, doesn't mean that you should. I believe that the constant doing and the constant sound of man and mankind in our lives, both the good and the bad, creates a sense of busyness inside of your soul, which is a noise. The busyness becomes a noise. It becomes a distraction. It becomes a thing to listen to, opposed to listening to the still, small voice of thy God. And to give an example of this, I invited Zeke to come on up. Let's see how this works. Just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Well, how many keys are on the piano? 88? 88. Zeke is going to demonstrate doing everything that you can do, but you probably shouldn't do. Go ahead. That's good. He just did everything that he could do, but should he do it? No. Now, with all the possibilities of what he could do and can do, but he chooses not to do, what else can he create out of those 88 keys? Keep going. My question is, what kind of life do you live? 88 keys? Or that? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And just because there's sound and just because there's noise doesn't mean you should be listening to it. I want, Lord, to hear still small voice of your mouth. I want to pause. I want to reflect. I want to know and feel and hear the very breath of the living God that lives inside of me. Because his breath is in me. It is what made me a human being. But there's so much noise. And there's so much sound. I can't hear your breath anymore. Thank you, Zeke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, clap it up for Zeke. And so I'm meditating on this, I'm meditating on this, and I was listening to Aaron Copeland's Appalachian Spring, right, which I love. The Lord just, just kind of was coming to me, and I just felt like, and if you guys aren't music people, maybe it just won't make complete sense, but I think, I think it will, because music resonates with people, right? What's the most powerful beat of a song? I'm not a music guy. I mean, I know a little bit of music, but I, I, this is a little bit more philosophical. And you may or may not agree with me. It's okay. Right? Here's a beautiful, one, of my, one, of, one of my favorite songs. I'd whistle this to the, to the kids and they would, when they were, and they would fall asleep. Tis a gift to be simple. Tis a gift to be free. Tis a gift to come down where you ought to be. And when you find yourself in the place just right, you'll be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity... What we have here is the most powerful beat, I think, of life. Note. Thanks. Most powerful note of life is that one. 
Dan, what is it? The rest. The rest. The most powerful note, beat, whatever you guys may call it out there, the most powerful one, the one that brings forth everything else in the song and the song of life is the the rest beat. Without the rest beat, it's just muddy. You get what I'm saying? It's just noise. But the rest beat creates everything else. So, guys, in music and in life, there is a power in the silence. Sharon, could you maybe just go to my computer and move the mouse? It's going to bother me. Just run you off the trackpad. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we'll get Josh. <laughs> so guys, what we have here is in that rest of that song, there is a power in silence. There's a power in silence. Come on, jazz musician, you know, it's the offbeat, right? It's the beat. It's the pause. And so like a rest beat in song, like a rest beat in music, it's this. The silence brings anticipation. And the anticipation begets holy expectation. Wow. I get the music, the music's going, and then there's a, oh, there's so much, right, expectation. And I'm telling you right now, the silence in your life brings forth anticipation. And the anticipation of life brings forth a holy expectation for what God is going to do in your life. But if there's never a pause, there can never be an anticipation. If there's never anticipation, there can never be a holy expectation. Because you're just doing, going, 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 going. You get what I'm saying? Psalm 3, 4. I was telling Josh, I was like, this is going to be a little, <laughs> a little weird sermon today. Psalm 3. Psalm 3. Oh, let's begin with 1. Psalm 3, verse 1. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help in him, in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried out to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Selah. There is a command in Scripture to essentially stop a Sabbath, but also a Selah. What we have here in all throughout the Psalms, and also Habakkuk, is a word. The word is selah, S-E-L-A-H. Uh, it is uh, referenced 74 times in the Bible, 71 times in the Psalms, and three times in Habakkuk. We'll be right in the middle of a song. Now there's this word, this Hebrew word, selah. And actually the Bible translators do not translate it. They keep it in the Hebrew word, selah. And the reason being is there's like some conflict on like what the word actually means. Like if we knew what the word meant in English, they would simply translate it into English. And so, you know, I'm looking and, and studying and there's like all these different ideas. Like one idea is that it means to exalt, coming from salah, like exaltation to, to, some, to the being, the divine being. And the exaltation. I think it's the Septuagint translates it into Greek as an intermission. A stop before the next piece. Uh, some believe that it's, a, it's actually a time for the instruments, right? To, to, to just play and to prophesy on, on instruments, right? Just like, you know, when they get into the zone and they're just like going, like that type of thing. Uh, and some people yet also believe that it actually may mean to rest, to pause, stop. And so the translation is, is somewhat difficult, hence they do not translate it. But essentially, what is the intent, I believe, for us to understand in the notion of sacred silence and beauty of quiet is this. I think all the translations are pretty much coming to a place of understanding that it's this. It's to pause the regular routine. 
to be in his presence and allow God's space in the midst of the sounds of men. You may be singing a song, and you're singing a song. It's a very beautiful song that King David wrote, but now it's time to stop that routine and allow God to come into the sounds of men. It may be actually a Selah moment in your life when you're going through your life, going through your life, and it's time to just allow God to speak into the sounds of men. I believe that's essentially the heart of what's going on here. But what is a silence from the noise of men? Guys, the silence from all the noises and the clamors of men is really a think tank for the soul. Be quiet is quieting. Because you're not listening to their views. You're not listening to their desires. You're listening to the heartbeat of God. It provides a room, a silence from the noise of men, provides room for the Holy Spirit to come in and to direct and to speak and to do something. But if your life is like mine, there's so much noise. I believe it's that place where you can really settle your soul, you can settle your mind, you can get out of all of the junk of the world, and once again you can hear that heartbeat for you from Him. Where you can stop and hear the breath of God again. See how hard it is? That's just an air conditioner. And so I don't know if you're like me or if you've struggled with this. Why do we not say la? Why do we not just stop our vocalization? How can we not stop our thoughts? Why are we always going? And why are we always doing? I believe one is that there's an element of uncomfortability. That's good. That's true. The absence of noise creates a moment of just you and God. And Him revealing your heart. But, but God, but this, but, th- but this happened to me. But, 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 but I can't, oh, I, just... Selah. You see God. We're pretty intimidated. So there's an uncomfortability with it. I think another piece of not engaging in a real Selah, and what I define Selah is, is allowing God to come into that space, um, is that I think a lot of us have what we call nervous energy. Nervous energy. But, but if I stop, nothing, nothing's getting done. And I, I want to go on to the next thing, and I want to be ambitious, and I want to get things done. I want to go after it. Get after it. There's a time to get after it. There's a time to... Selah. If we have this nervous energy and we're always doing things, it could be, it could be good things. It could be in worship. It could be me preaching. It could be... If you're always going and always doing and not allowing for the pause for God to come in, you are robbing the Holy Spirit of His direction and His power in your life. It's so easy to, to just get rid of all that by always be doing. By moving on and not stepping in this place of Selah, which is a place of exaltation as well, it's a place of praise. You may be robbing God of a moment of praise, of glory. When we sang, magnify the Lord, like that was like, Wah. But if we're always going, and even always going in good things and in ministry, we never pause to declare a praise, an organic praise from your heart and your lips and your mind, opposed to what someone else has said and someone else has written. You're robbing God of a new praise for, for, that, that's going to enter into eternity and be spoken and recited and linger and be for all eternity. It's good, Dan. It's just so important, Dan. So important. You've been walking this out, right, for about two years now. Thanks, brother. I couldn't do it any other way. I had to stop. I had to slow things down. It sets my priorities. It sets my entire day in the middle of the day. I'll stop. 
It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. And I think it's, it should be something in worship. It should be something in our prayers. Right? The good things too. Like, look, we, we pray. We could pray a lot and pray a lot and pray a lot. We could worship a lot and worship a lot and not allow God room for him to come in and speak. It happens all the time. Now, there's a danger to, to all of this, to all this noise. And, and I think this is, this is the, 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 what do you call it, the crutch of the argument. It's this. Um, noise is defined by scientists as unwanted sound. My fear is the sounds you hear from the modern world is no longer unwanted sound, but rather a comforting melody which is meant to lull one to sleep. Wow. It can only be noise if it's unwanted. But what if I want that noise? Because it's covering everything else up. It's covering up my true heart intent. It's covering up my lack. It's covering up what I really should be doing and walking with him. I'm just going to cover it with sound, but the sound is not noise because it's wanted. Before you get rid of all this, you first have to unwant the sound and make it noise again. But all the distractions of life, whether it's a physical sound or if it's just a busyness, it is not noise to you if it's wanted. It's good, Dave. You have to declare to it and say, it now is unwanted. And since it's unwanted, it's become a clangor, a cl clanging cymbals in my ears, and I, I need to just step away from that and be in the stillness of God again. Because I want to hear his voice. I want to reside in his breath. You get what I'm saying? You're getting this? It's just like far out, man. All right. True. True. But I'm, you know, if we remove all this, you can still have all the noise in here. All the shattering, you know? Selah. It's not just the absence of your voice or the absence of other voices or even an absence of sound. We're going to take this to the next level because Selah is a place in a moment where there's praise and exaltation and allowing God to come into your midst. That's what it is. And so Selah is not the absence of a sound, the absence of noise. What it really is, is a holy moment in time. holy moment in the time of everlasting. You can have silence, but be, have no holiness. A Selah moment is a place in holy time. Kadosh, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? We, just, we get so we get so masked by the world, man. The first time holiness is ever used in the scriptures. It's on other than Jose. First time the word kadosh, holy, is used. Genesis. Like Genesis 1 or 2, right? It's, it's you are to take the Sabbath day because it is holy. See, we don't have holy things, guys. We don't have holy places in scripture. They don't exist. What exists in holiness is holy time. Time with Him. Time in eternity. We have holy time versus, really, holy places and holy doings. Now, you can have doings, actions, that are not holy. But if you have holy time, those doings will become holy. You can do lots of things that are even good, that seem to be good, that are not really sacred and set apart in holiness. But if you have the holy time, the holy time will create the holy actions. Amen. It might be a little out there, but you could do ministry and it seems to be good, and it's good, but it's not holy. That's good. If it's holy, it's going to drip holiness. If it's holy, it's going to be a little kid putting their ear on their sister's ears and Amen. that's holy. 
Sometimes, this is the tough one, sometimes God forces a Selah moment into your life. The dreaded place of transition. Nothing is happening. What do I do? Where do I go? He hasn't spoken. What is happening? It becomes a burden. But God has brought you to the Selah moment of pause in your life. It is not a burden. It's sacred time. It's a time of not doing, but I don't know where to go in ministry, and I don't know where to go in my life, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know this, and I don't know that. It can seem as a burden, but it's not. It's sacred time. It's a time to reflect. It's a time to ponder. It's a time to exalt Him and look at the goodness of the Lord and everything that He's done for you. It's a time to praise. It's a time to dream with God. But you haven't done these things for me yet. I know. That's why I've brought you there. Because you haven't thanked me and you haven't just not thanked me, but you haven't resided in the beauty of what has just done, what has been done for you yet. So before I give you more to give me glory, why don't we stay here for a moment and give me glory for all the things I've already done for you. But I want more. He's like, yeah, but I want you to glory and praise me in this stuff first. And then we can give you more things. It's not a burden. Transition is not a burden. It is an example and a revelation of sacred time if you view it that way. Remember, people, silence brings anticipation. And the anticipation will bring forth the holy expectation in your life. And so if there's a silence in your life of things not happening, what you think should be happening, I'm telling you the Lord has brought you there to dream with Him, to ponder with Him, to have a Selah moment of holiness before Him where you can thank Him for all the things that He's done for you in your life already. For He gives you more to thank Him about. There's examples of this in Scripture. Story of Zechariah. Not the prophet, the priest. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1. Probably just know him as John the Baptist's dad. Okay? Zechariah is there. He's a priest. Angel of the Lord goes to Zechariah and to his wife Elizabeth. Says, you're going to have a son. And they're like, the, Zechariah's like, how can that be? I'm so old in years. It can't happen. And the angel of the Lord says, it will happen, and you shall name him John. And because you have doubted, you will now be mute. You will not be able to speak. And now, this is powerful, he can't speak for the next nine months. The place of the baby in the womb, the place of the growth of what is to happen in your life. See, silence can be a place of the Lord growing something inside of you. Wow. In fact, you may need to have the silence, the Selah, for Him to grow it in you. And it's not just you being quiet in the morning and having my quiet time. Maybe it's walking out a place of like, nothing's happening. Like, how come there isn't a change? Guys, I'm in a place of transition. Like, it's kind of getting a little annoying, you know, working at school... 50 hours a week, waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning and teaching high school kids and then like being church guy at night. Like, it's a little daunting at times. I'm like, Lord, like, how come we're not transitioning here? How come I'm not like full-time ministry? And it's like, Dave, there's something being molded in you. Be in the Selah. Be in the moment and give him the exaltation. You know what I'm saying? So when we take a look at Zechariah, many people think, oh, the angel says, because you have not believed, you are now mute. That that was a punishment. 
can see that. I don't really see it as a punishment. I don't think it ever says like you are to be punished, but it has like that flavor, like because you have not, you are now going to go mute, be in silence, essentially not be able to speak. But I don't believe it necessarily was just a really punishment. I believe instead of punishment, we need to look at it as, as, as a time of revelation. It wasn't punishment, it was a time of Selah, forced Selah. Now, what do you mean? After the time of quiet, it is time to bring the son to the temple to be circumcised. On the eighth day of John's life, for the first time in 400 years, there's a proclamation publicly of the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Christ. It was never done in 400 years, but at last, not in punishment, but in sacred silence, there's the birth of revelation inside of Zechariah. And now he goes to the temple, and when they're about to name him, they're going to name him Zechariah, he says, no! And everyone hears him again, his name shall be John. And he recites a long passage. And I'm only going to read some of it. It's his first words that are spoken after nine months of silence of Selah. You don't get this. You don't get this unless you have sacred silence with the Lord. First time in 400 years, the public declaration of the coming of Christ. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation, Jesus, for us. In the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. This is for John. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to the people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. Right? First person. Old Testament covering of sin. In this deep place of Selah, the Lord is birthing something in him to declare publicly to the people, not just the covering up of sin, but the remission of sin in the coming of Messiah. A prophecy. In those days, there were no prophets. It's 400 years. And it came out of what? A punishment? Out of sacred silence. It's really sacred silence in his life. Ah, Dan, can you come on down as we wrap things up? In Zechariah, the silence brought forth a revelation. The revelation brought forth a public declaration of the coming of the Lord. So let's go back to what I started with and we'll close out. What did I start with? The still, small voice. And we said that there's so many sounds or noise that we don't want to listen to. Jesus, Jesus. The scripture there says, the God did not speak in the earthquake, nor in the wind, nor in fire. So the Lord is just telling me and showing me Why? Why not the earthquake? Why not the wind? Why not the fire? Why did it have to be a still small voice? That's how I talk to God. 
Why? How the Lord you saying, Dave? There are people today that have more faith in the earthquakes and the wind and the fire than in that still small voice. I was like, Lord, but what's the earthquake today? He's like, today, what's the earthquake? What's the wind? What's the fire? What is it? It's hearing God and being so excited about the big meeting. It's about being so excited about the eloquent orator. People get more excited about all of those things. The modern day earthquakes and winds are those things. But they don't get excited about the stillness of the noise of the world and just hear my voice. Like, whoa, okay. And I felt that Elijah, the prophet of fire, needed to learn that. Wow. This is a prophet of action. This is a prophet of boldness. This is a prophet where the, the, the prophets of Baal want to kill him. And he's like, bring it on. This is a guy who prays and fire comes from heaven and kills 50 people. A prophet of the Most High God. And what does God do? Yeah, we're going to teach you something. It's not in fire. It's not in earthquake. It's not in wind. It's by my spirit, by my bread. And so here's Elijah in northern Israel. And what happens to him? The same story. But we're going to read a tad earlier. 1 Kings 19, verse 8. Lower to cello a little bit, Josh. So he, Elijah, arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. So he doesn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. And he went as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. God brings him to the, not a, the mountain. This is day's journey. What is that mountain? Mount Horeb is, this, is, is another name for Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai brings them back to the beginning. The beginning of like the, the history of Israel leaving Egypt. He brings them to that place. Perhaps there's no place on earth that is more associated with the manifest presence of God than Mount Sinai. You might be able to say Mount Moriah, but in many regards, I mean, His holiness was there. It's where the law of God was given. For 40 days and 40 nights, Moses resided there. It's there that the bush burned with fire. And Elijah is there, the man of action, forced to be there for 40 days and 40 nights. Mount Sinai, a place of desert, a rough and stony place. Dry with little life. Intimate silence. Infinite awe. As if the presence of an eternal God encompasses him. A place of Selah. Like Elijah, we, before we do, we need to go back to the beginning. The beginning is the Selah. The first time he utters, I am the Lord God of your fathers to man. The God who was, the God who is, the God who is to come. Bringing Moses to the mountain, bringing Elijah to the mountain is a way of God teaching them and saying, it is not by my might, it is not by my words, it is not by my power, it's not by voices of men, but it's by my power, thus saith the Lord. In the midst of the noise of modern life, we need to go back and hear the still small voice in the silence on the mountain. And today you and I have a better mountain than Mount Sinai. Today we have Mount Calvary. 
the place where the God I am says I'm sacrificing myself for the remission of sin, for the relationship to be restored. That is the ultimate place of Selah. We need to go back to the beginning. And we need to go back to the beginning all of the time. Amen. It's the beginning where Selah is. It's the beginning where the noises of men are out and the voice of God is in. It's the mountain experience, Mount Calvary, the place spiritually of the ultimate voice of God. It's that place of exaltation and pause and reflection upon God. The place of amazing grace. I once was dead, but now I'm resurrected in life. Don't rob God of that Selah moment. Even though you're past that moment. Go back to that moment and cut out the noise and be an exaltation of God of remembrance of praise and exaltation for what you have done for me. Why don't we stand? Father, I pray right now for sacred silence. A gift of the simplicity of sound. The chattering. The clanging. The thoughts. The feel and need to have to figure all things out. And go on to the next thing and get after it and be ambitious and do it. Lord, we just come before you and we say, Lord, we want to be a people that resides and dwells on the mountaintop and hears your still, small voice in the place of Salah. The place where voices of men are gone and the voice of God is in Yeshua's name. We are going to have a very different ending of service. If you have a need to utter a sound, even if it's saying hello to someone, that's awesome. Do it out there. Ushers, if you can shut the door because people get relational and friendships outside. And I want to keep this place right here as a place of just having that Selah which is not necessarily the absence of noise, absence of sound, but the absence of noise, unwanted sound. And some kind of grand irony, Dan, if you can play the gift to be simple for a little bit as people just reside here. If you're in a midst of transition in your life, I could pray for you. People could pray for you. But I just encourage you to just be, just be with him. Amen. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you downstairs at the cafe if, if you're going to remain and have some refreshments. Hope to see you Wednesday. Mm -hmm.